This week we finished reading our first book of the Bible together. We finished reading the book of Matthew and are becoming, yeah, so one place in our foundation, 65 more to go. Yeah, one month, one season, one season, one book down, sorry, not season, we're still in it. We got lots of room to go. So, but congratulations where congratulations is due. If you've not joined us on the journey, you can start at any time. Today is a good day to do so. Here's a question. Are you annoyed with people who are all talk and no action? Does it annoy you people who are just all talk and they are no action whatsoever? When I said that, did someone pop into your mind? You know, we tend to respect those whose actions follow their words, and the greater the gap between word and action, often the larger issues of trust we develop uh, in people, in groups, in lots of different things. But here's the honest truth. Every one of us have gaps. Every one of us have a gap between what we say and what we do. None of us is perfect. Turn the person beside you and repeat that to them. None of us is perfect. None of us, none of us, in other words, none of us are completely whole. None of us walk and live. We call ourselves little Christs, Christians. But every single one of us have a gap between who Jesus is and who we are. And so I think here's the challenge. There is this stinging word that Jesus used to describe those who have a gap between what they say and what they do. Those who legislate what others should do, but never themselves actually do. In English, the word would be translated actor. In Aramaic, it's, well, it's the same English word here, but in Aramaic, it's the word hypocrite. We translate that in English as it's an actor. You're just playing a part. And just playing a part is what I want you to think about. What is the difference between practicing and performing? A performance is something you never are, while a practice is something you're growing in. And this is a really significant difference. I'll give you an example. This is not my endorsement of the film. I have not seen it, but I've heard lots about it. Irish actor Killian Murphy played J. Robert Robert Oppenheimer in the film Oppenheimer. I heard he played it brilliantly, flawlessly even some would say, but here's what I want you to know. Killian Murphy was never Oppenheimer. He was always and forever Killian Murphy playing Oppenheimer. There's only ever been one Oppenheimer and that's Oppenheimer. He was just playing a part and he did it flawlessly but he never was what he was portraying. And so in that instance, we would say, well, no, duh. Like he's an actor playing a part. Yet in many ways and in life, it's difficult to tell who's acting and who's got a gap and they're practicing and they're growing into something. But they're two entirely different things. They're entirely different ways to live. For example, we just had a time together of worship, of congregational singing. And in one of the songs that we were singing, it was, I am going to preach to my fears. 
right? I'm gonna sing to my doubts that God is faithful now. He's faithful then and he'll be faithful now, right? So you can be here and you can be battling fear and wrestling with doubt. Worship is not grounding in who you are. It is grounding in seeing who God is. It is, that's the purpose of it. It's why all worship should not be about us. If worship is exclusively about us, then we're worshiping us. So you can sit in a service struggling with fear and wrestling with doubt and you can declare what you are not because of who God is. But in your life, where you're struggling with fear and where you're struggling with doubt, you don't want it to be a performance. You wanna have a practice, Lord, help me be less fearful and help me be filled with peace and to trust you more. Lord, help me not be full of doubt, but help me to be full of courage in who you are. It's not ignoring the fear, nor is it ignoring the doubt, but it's also the opposite. It's not living so authentically that all you identify in is your fear and your doubt. It is seeing who God is in the gap of who you are not and having practices in following this way. A performance cares nothing about that. It is literally just, I put on a good show so that you would never know I had doubt or fear. This is entirely different. And so Jesus most levied this criticism towards the scribes and the Pharisees of his day. And when we think about scribes and Pharisees, here's a cultural exegesis moment together that we oftentimes think about scribes and Pharisees exclusively in religious terms, and we should not. We should absolutely not do that. Pharisees were religious, yes, absolutely but they also carried within their culture, remember the culture of Jesus' day. And the book of Matthew says that Jesus first is sent to the lost house of the sheep of Israel. And so he comes to one specific culture, it's monoculture, he's talking to Jewish people at this point as a Jewish man about Jewish culture. Okay, and within that culture you have Pharisees or religious leaders, but they were not merely religious. They also influenced legal, societal, and the political dealings of their day. And so Jesus, when he brings this critique, it is a religious critique, yes, but it's also a critique on the culture in which he was a part of. He is critiquing the forming and the shaping culture, and here is what I know, is as much that has changed since Jesus spoke these words to a single word. If we come to Canada today, we are multicultural, but here is a challenge within every culture, including the Canadian culture. Our culture is steeped in performance. It is steeped in performance. It is steeped in you and I playing a part, but not necessarily being truthful in it. We are, our lives are built on meritocracies. You get this grade, you get to go here. You don't get this grade, you don't get to go here. All right, you have this intellect, you can do that. You don't have this intellect, you shouldn't do that. And in some ways, it's a blessing. You don't want me building and constructing and architecting a bridge. Okay, you are never gonna get from point A to point B. You're gonna die in the middle if I do that. So that's really good. But in other ways, it's a heavy weight on your shoulder where you actually come into the church and you mistakenly think that in order to be a Christian, I need to perform for God and I need to perform for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, no. No. 
you do not have to perform, but there are practices that you have to engage between the gap of who you are and the gap of who Jesus is. In that space, you need to trust God in the midst of it. One story, and I'm going to continue. A number of years ago, there was someone who was attending Life Center, and it quick, I quickly was able to discern, not because I'm smart, but because I picked up on like the 19th time, that they had no interest in faith, they had a total interest in fighting, that their heart was not actually to follow and to grow, it was just to be argumentative. And so one day they said to me, like, well, you keep saying it's, it's salvation by the cross plus nothing, you keep saying publicly like it's about grace, and then you invite people to pray a prayer. Isn't that works? Don't they have to do something? And in my mind, I lovingly just said like, I think we're done with this conversation because it was an argument and I wasn't trying to be dismissive. But here's what I wanna say if you feel that way. Like, are you kidding me? Jesus moves from heaven to earth and comes down and pays the way. Here's the thing, none of us have faith in Christ unless the Holy Spirit actually gave us the gift of faith in the first place. None of us, he convicts us, he reveals our heart. We don't go for, we actually have faith from. In other words, we as followers of Christ, no, no, praying the prayer is not what is saving you, it is the work of Christ plus nothing, it is you receiving by faith that and then from that faith, so you can't grow unless you first receive, but you can't receive because you can't earn it, it is just a gift, you do nothing, you're bankrupt, your works are no good, it is everything that Christ does and receiving it, even that gives me the faith to say, God, I trust you. It's where the Apostle Paul says, I can't boast in anything. I didn't do any of this. It is all God at work in my heart and life. So no, you don't even, not even the prayer that you pray is work. Without the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't even pray the prayer. You would never even think to pray the prayer. This is what Jesus is saying. So he's saying to the Pharisees, in essence, you have no interest in the things of God. You're just putting on a religious performance. And he knows. Matthew's gospel contains a favorite invitation, or one of my favorite invitations from Jesus, and this invitation holds three deepening steps of trust. He says, come to me, all you are labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And then he says two other things. Watch, the invitation to come to Jesus is free. But then he says, when you come to me, I want you to do two things. I want you to take my yoke upon you, and I want you to learn from me. So in other words, yeah, man, from rest, he will give it to you. But if you want to actually remain in rest, you've got to take his yoke upon you. In other words, you've got to let go of society's yoke, religion's yoke, another yoke, your family of origin's yoke. You've got to let those go, and you've got to take that on, and you've got to learn from Jesus. And you've got to learn from Jesus. Learning from Jesus is a practice. I'm going to say it really clear. It is not a performance. It's a practice. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the way of Jesus. Our response is never to play the part of a Christian. Like, come on, you do not want to die one day and stand before God and earn the Academy Award for the best actor or actress as a follower of Christ. But there are some who will, and they will hear the words, depart from me, and never knew you. You just played a part. It was never actually the intent of your heart to follow. You just knew all the right things to say and to do. This is the words of Jesus. One of the things you're gonna find at Life Center is because we're teaching through the scriptures. When you teach through the scriptures, you end up teaching scripture passages you'd rather not teach. Like I'd rather teach Jeremiah 29, 11. But now we're gonna get into the woes. 
sometimes here's one of my challenges, if not yours, is we, we don't give up our masks so easily. And towards the end of the book of Matthew, right before Jesus' Olivet Discourse in Matthew chapter 24, which by the way is his longest sermon, not the Sermon on the Mount, it's the Olivet Discourse. Jesus gives a series of woes that we should heed to not live as performers, but as practitioners in the way of Jesus, in following Jesus. These woes that Jesus gives, they come out of a question of who actually Jesus is in Matthew 23, or 22, excuse me, and it's interesting to note that Jesus speaks these woes not exclusively to the disciples, but also to the crowds. Jesus understands that it is not just the Pharisees who need this, it is all of us, because we are all formed and shaped in cultures that force us to perform. And so what I wanna do right now is just very simple, and I'd love for you to engage. Put your hands out in front of you like this, and if you have a mustard seed side of faith, I would invite you to pray this with me. Holy Spirit, reveal truth to my heart today. Truth that helps me become more like Jesus. Amen. So what I wanna do is I wanna go through Jesus' woes. And as we do, you may find you start feeling a little bit of weight. Don't throw off the weight. I'm gonna tell you what to do with it at the end. The first one, Matthew 23, verses one to four. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe what they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and they lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with a finger. This is the first woe. Practice what you preach. What did Jesus not say? Perform what you preach. He said practice what you preach. And I also want you to see this with both ears in your whole heart. The issue isn't the law itself. Okay, the law of the Lord as we quoted is blameless from Psalms. The issue isn't the law. The issue is not the law that the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes are telling. Jesus is saying, this isn't the problem. The problem is, listen to what they say and observe it. Just don't do what they do. Why do I say that this morning? Because one of the temptations of Satan is this. The more Christians you get your eyes on who are performing and not practicing, the more Christians you get your eyes on who are not living and practicing what they preach, the enemy will sow seed into your heart that the issue is not the imperfect Christian, the issue is the word of God itself. And the moment that you bite into that temptation because of the imperfect practices of Christians that it's the word of God is not trustworthy, it doesn't matter which way now you turn because you are in a bondage of deception. And so Jesus clearly to the Pharisees, like if there's anyone who shouldn't be followed, it's them. And Jesus says and makes a point of it so abundantly clear, the issue isn't the law, it's them. Now that doesn't feel good if you're a Pharisee. And here's what's true. I've never had somebody confess to me that they're a Pharisee. But I wanna go first. I am a Pharisee. Not that I want to be. The problem is not the Pharisee out there. The problem is the Pharisee in here. 
When I read the scriptures, I never want to pretend that Jesus is talking to those people. No, Jesus is talking to these people. Well, in the story, I'd be Jesus. No, you wouldn't. You got a gap. Him? No gap. No gaps in Jesus' day, not even Banana Republics or Old Navies. Okay. Right over your head. That's totally fine. Again, see it clear, the issue isn't the law itself. The law of the Lord is perfect. No, interpersonal issues arise between individuals or groups when people do not practice. But because it benefits us, we tie up heavy burdens on them. That's the first one. Do you view God's word incorrectly because of a follower of Christ who lived it imperfectly? Jesus invites you not to have critique with God's word, but to trust it and to recognize that when that wounding happened, it can lead you astray. Be cautious and careful. Next one. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, actors, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Wow. See what Jesus is saying here with such clarity? The kingdom of heaven is yours to the whole crowd, including the scribes and the Pharisees. You don't even want to step through the door. And here's what is true. Oftentimes when we don't want to step through the door of something, we will find people who ally and join our cause to make us feel better. It's a human condition. You take two interpersonal people that get into a spat, and if it goes unhealed here for too long, it becomes two camps. It's just human nature. And so this is what you can see occurring here, even in the scriptures. That sometimes what Jesus is saying is sometimes we can mistakenly believe because we're in this camp or this camp that, like, that I'm good because everybody around thinks like I do or I'm good over here because everybody around here thinks like I do. And I always refer back in my own heart and mind to the book of Joshua where the angel of the Lord comes and the essential question the angel of the Lord comes is asked of this angel of the Lord is whose side of you're on? And the angel of the Lord says, I'm not on either side, I'm on God's side. It's not our job to get God onto our side, it is our job to be always be working towards being on his side. God is not left or he's not right, he's God over all of it. It's different. And so we see this happening here. And so the woe here is let the life that you live and the advice that you give and the opinions that you share, let it influence and the influence that you hold, let it lead others towards the kingdom of God and not away from it. And I just wanna have a moment of repentance if there's anything that I have said or done that has made it harder for you to experience Jesus, would you forgive me genuinely? I am less interested in you understanding my opinion on a secondary thing if it becomes a stumbling block for you to see God and his kingdom. Jesus is saying this is what's happening. And his invitation is for all of them to stop performing. Stop performing to stay in this group. And stop performing to stay in this group. And come to me, all you who are weary of performing, and I'll give you rest for your soul. It's the invitation of Jesus. Next one. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, actors, hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. 
And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourself. I mean, that's a stinging critique. Just think about it in this way, that there is, prog- there is, there is progressive darkness, if you will, and progressive becoming more like Jesus. Like Jesus said, they come to give you life and have it more abundantly. That's progressive. And then over here, the enemies come to rob, kill, steal, and destroy. Well, robbing and stealing is terrible. Like if someone steals my car, it's terrible. If they destroy it, that's a progressive, oh, at least if they steal it, I can get it back. I don't know if I want it back, but I could get it back. If they destroy it, it's destroyed. This is progressive. And so one of the things that Jesus is saying is that again, the kingdom of darkness, when it grabs hold, also progresses in our hearts and lives. That again, he says it right here, that when we can do, it's not how passionate you are about your cause. It is, is your cause leading people to freedom in Christ or is it not? It's not how passionate we are about our issues. It's not how passionate we are about those things. It's looking, what are we converting people to? If we are converting people to be more like us, we're missing the mark because we're called to convert people to be more like Jesus. And this is what he is saying. In other words, he's saying to us, think carefully about how you seek to convert people towards your gospel or the gospel of Christ Jesus because there can be two of them. Next, woe to you blind guides who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by the oath. He says, you blind fools, exclamation mark. Which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? What is Jesus talking about here? Why is he using the temple? How many of you know the temple was supposed to be home for one thing, the presence of God? It's what it was supposed to be, the presence of God. And so the Pharisees and the scribes are not honoring the temple, the presence of God, but they're honoring like an oath made, which is in the law, up to the gold of it, a created thing. They're not honoring the creator, they're honoring the created thing. And some translations actually say this, which I find interesting. In our culture, if one was to say, give me some liberty and license here. If you have kids, close their ears. If someone was to say, what the hell are you doing? You would say, ooh, hey, time out, you just swore. You just cursed. What Jesus is actually saying, well, you shouldn't do that either. That's what he's saying. Kids, don't say that. You shouldn't do that. But what he is actually saying is, oftentimes we go, well, that's cursing. But if someone says like, oh, my heavens, no. He's actually saying to them, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't treat things that are not common as common. Don't just flippantly talk about God and heaven and things of the kingdom of God. Don't take those things in vain. The Bible is not like every other book. Don't treat it as so. Approach it with honor and reverence. 
Worship is not the same as any other type of music. It's different. I'm not talking about the genre of Christian music. I'm saying the act of worship using musical instruments and voice, it's not like anything else. When I go to a concert, a Beyonce concert, we're worshiping Beyonce. It's not the same as worshiping Jesus. Beyonce is not all sufficient. She's pretty great, but she ain't all sufficient. It's just entertainment. It's, it's just a performance. This is never a performance. It's about presence. It's about who its author. It's not the same at all. Preaching is not a TED talk. It's not meant to go how eloquent. It is meant to bring all of us as the body of which I am a part to go, Lord, can you move in our hearts and make us more like you? It's never a performance. Celebrity in Christianity is an oxymoron. Should never exist. Should never exist. It is just follower of Christ plus nothing. It's the core title that every one of us are bestowed the honor of being called a member of the body of Christ. And here's what he is saying. Like, some of us freak out when people use the word hell, but we don't freak out when they talk all about heaven and all about God, when they don't say, thus saith the Lord about a million things that God never spoke. We take his name in vain, and Jesus is saying, honor and have reverence for the presence, not just the created things. This is what Jesus is saying. Ouch, guilty. By the way, every one of these woes are woes to me that I've been like, oh man. What do you do with that weight? So again, kids, just so we're really clear, Jesus is not saying you can say whatever you want. He's not saying that. He's saying don't. Next one. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, actors. For you tithe mint and dill and cumin, but you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Okay, let me lean in here a little bit. It is right to tithe, including mint, dill, and cumin, but not at the expense of justice and mercy and faithfulness. It is right to return your 10% to God. Notice Jesus doesn't take it off. Here's what he's saying, you ready for it? Hey, we're just gonna tell him what the word says. It is right to return your 10%, but don't forget that God still remains the Lord over the other 90. You steward 100%, you tithe 10%. You're either a good steward or a bad steward, and it's not by my definition, it's by God's. This is what he's saying. So when our world cries for justice and for mercy, even in their imperfect ways, we as Christ followers don't turn a blind eye to that prayer because we care not just like, well, I did my church part and then the world can go to hell in a handbasket. See what I did there? I pulled the other one into there, <laughs> forget it. And I, don't really and I don't really care about it. Heavens, no. We care about what God cares about, which is all of his kids. It doesn't mean that we have to be God and be the savior, but we can be salt and we can be seed and we can be water where God sends us. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, actors, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. By the way, the two things that no one confesses, no one ever confesses that they're a Pharisee, that they are greedy, 
or that they're self-indulgent. We just say I'm practicing self-care. And you should, and you should. It's not a bad thing. I'm just saying there is a line between self-care and self-indulgent. Oh yeah, the world is not to be made into your image. That is self-indulgent. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, and then the outside may also be clean. Okay, how many of you know that life is not fair? It just isn't, it just isn't. There are some of you who have had tremendous, tremendous burdens that are not fair. And there's others of you who have experienced the small you unfair in life. Here's all I'm saying. There are some of you when you come to Christ, the gap between who you are and who Jesus is, is really big. And there's others of you that the gap is just a different size. Our spiritual enemy wants us to always to be comparing the size of our gaps and keeping our eyes on one another. Here's all I'm saying. Make it an aim in your life from the moment you began to follow Jesus before you die to get your gap, to partner with God, to practice in the way of Jesus, to surrender, that whether it is here, whether it's here, get your gap to be as small as it can possibly be. And for some of you, that's closing it from here and to getting it to here. For others of you, you start here and you get it to here. It's not the size of the gap. Just like Jesus said, it's not the size of the mustard seed of faith. It's the source in whom it is that we're trusting that you and I are to get our eyes upon. It's the source of God allowing him to close the gap in our hearts and lives. And this is what he's saying. Let God work on the inside of you, on your emotions, on your thinking, on the way in which you view the world, on your behavior. Let God into this place and let him begin to close the gap. Don't live your life hiding what is really in you and performing so others go, wow, aren't, don't they have everything together? Let God into the mess and let him actually create a message through your story. Jesus says this one so, again, so powerfully, set your aim before you, oh, that's right. There's one that's so vital that Jesus says it again, but he adds a single word. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, actors, for you are like whitewashed tombs which appear, outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and uncleanness. So also, so you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy, and here's the word added, lawlessness. This one is real big. Lawlessness is casting off godly restraint and calling it freedom. And it's everywhere. Lawlessness is everywhere, and it is so tempting. It is so easy. Or believing God's boundary applies to others, but it doesn't apply to you. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate them the monuments of the righteous, saying, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in the shedding, in shedding the blood of the prophets. Thus you witness against yourself that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. What is Jesus saying to here? Now he's addressing the Pharisees and he is simply saying, 
You like to say that you wouldn't have judged the prophets in the same way that those people judged the prophets. But there is one that is greater than a prophet who is here and you are scheming to kill me. In other words, man, if I was a Christ follower during this time, I would have stood up really, really strong. It isn't whether you were a Christ follower then. We got one life, one generation, one time to live. It is how are we standing for Jesus in this season? It is not looking back and judging, and this is generational now. It is not looking at other generations and judging them. It is looking with our assignment, what are we called to do together? Don't follow the life, the advice, or allow the influence of those who are opposed to Jesus and his kingdom to be the ultimate shapers of your story. May I remind you that the Antichrist is not only a person, it is a spirit. It is a way to live in the world in opposition to the way of Jesus, where when the person arrives on the scene, all it will do is affirm everything that you now believe. <clears throat> Concluding question, are you struggling with people who tell but never do? Here's my challenge. If I'm struggling with people who tell and never do, I'm struggling with myself. And now with all the weight of these woes, what do I do? And Jesus gives us two paths, practice or perform. Remember the difference between a performance and a practice. If you walk out of here and be like, boy, I gotta shape up, I gotta be a better Christian, I tell you, I gotta start putting the boots down, I gotta start getting active, I gotta start. Here's what I want you to do. If you've been convicted in any of these areas, here's what I want you to do. Nothing. Nothing. Except one thing. Bring it to Jesus and ask him what he wants you to begin to do. Just begin to pray about it. Don't act first. Invite that Holy Spirit to convict you where he has. In, Lord Holy Spirit, how do I begin to work on the hypocrisy of my heart? And don't give it a special title. Lord, how do I work where I'm hypocritical? How do I work where I perform? How do I work when I'm acting? How do I work on, Holy Spirit, where, where do you want to start? And start where? He is at work. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And Jesus said, I'll give you rest. Hey, your relationship with God is the one that you don't have to perform because he knows all. It's a waste of time anyways. You can be honest. You can let him work. You can confess. You can repent. You can just continue to grow and let that gap get smaller and smaller. And here's what I promise you, that becoming heart strong is allowing the Holy Spirit to close the gap between calling a Christian looking more like Christ. And everything, your singleness, your marriage, your family, your workplace, your family of origin, the city of Ottawa, the city of Gatineau, everything the world need hinges on you and I becoming more like Jesus. So let's stop performing and let's keep practicing together.